We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, Her Hoop Stats fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Her Hoop Stats Unplugged podcast. Thanks for waiting out our Labor Day week, but or break, but we're back this week with another episode. I'm Megan Gower, and we're back here joined this week by Aaron Barsley. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Megan. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I was a little worried I was going to get the boot after uh, the episode you did with Jen. Uh, I really enjoyed <laughs> listening to that while I was uh, on vacation. But yeah, no, it, everything's good, right? Labor Day weekend uh, happened, so we've got the last week of the uh, WNBA regular season. The playoffs are coming and so is the NCAA season. We're starting to see more teams announce their uh, non-conference schedule, which is pretty exciting. And so, yeah, life's been good. I was on vacation and just kind of reacclimating to uh, the real world, basically. <laughs> Definitely that end of summer transition. But yeah, NCAA right around the corner. It was the start of college football season this week, which is my favorite part of that is that it means 10 weeks till NCAA basketball starts. Um, and then also, of course, the WNBA regular season is wrapping up on Sunday. So like four days from now everything will be set for the playoffs and I think I saw today that the playoffs are starting on the 11th so not far after um early next week we'll be in the our way into the playoffs it is Um, crazy yeah so yeah speaking of the playoffs I think officially as of like 30 minutes ago the Connecticut Sun just clinched the number two seed so we've got the Washington Mystics clinching number one and Connecticut at number two. So those are officially your two teams with double buys. And I think everything else is still up in the air. Um, other than that, Phoenix might be stuck at that eight. I don't know if that's 100% true, though. I read a couple of takes on that today. So close to being stuck at the eight, if not. But the rest of the seed's still up in the air. Uh, quite like a lot of the end of the season awards that are coming up, which is one of the first things we wanted to chat about with you. So 
everybody's been talking about. I think the biggest one that's kind of being debated is that rookie of the year race between Enrique Gumbawale and Nafisa Collier. Enrique just came off an amazing performance against Connecticut in the Wings loss today. I think 32 points, six assists. Any opinions on who's going to win that award, who should win that award? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on it. I'm not sure that I have a very specific opinion. I think ultimately what it boils down to it, it's not super clear cut, which is why I think everybody's enjoying debating it uh, in the WNBA community. Yeah, another great night making her case. She played 38 minutes uh, in this uh, tough game against Connecticut that they lost by about 30. But yeah, so 32 points and six assists and the team only scored 72 points. So I think I figured out that she probably um, was involved either by scoring or an assist on like 61% of the points that the wings scored tonight. So, um, you know, another kind of feather in her cap, another uh, case, you know, part of the case that was pretty interesting. Obviously the other interesting thing that happened with regard to the rookie of the year uh, race today was the uh, rival tweets, uh, particularly the one from the, the Minnesota Lynx, um, try complaining about the way, well, I don't know about complaining, but trying to be snarky, I guess, about uh, Luka Doncic, the uh, NBA Rookie of the Year, and obviously that seemed to get pretty widely panned uh, on Twitter. I have to say I am all about more Twitter beefs. I think that could you know, help the league at some level, but I think that that would have didn't... Uh, you know, it wasn't quite the right target. What uh, they kind of missed the mark. It wasn't right uh, kind of tone, I guess. I, I thought it would have been interesting if they could somehow have roped uh, like Atlanta into getting Trey Young to post something uh, <laughs> supporting Visa Collier. Although I guess you know Luca did win the the NBA Rookie of the Year, so that's not quite the case they uh, they want to make. But you know, it certainly made it uh, fun and interesting for another day. And yeah, no, the I've been you know thinking about it a lot. Um, I did a little analysis, kind of just. Uh, you know, sort of back of the envelope style stuff on a spreadsheet over the weekend, you know, trying to understand, you know, the main argument, right? I think there's two main arguments for Nafisa, right? One of them is that, you know, she's just so much more efficient. And then the other one is she kind of does more besides scoring, right? I think that's kind of when you boil down the case, that's probably the two things, right? So which sort of people kind of will talk about as being like more winning plays is sort of the, the stereotype. Right. I think when you're looking at kind of some of the more advanced stat metrics, which I mean, this is the Her Hoop Stats podcast, so we like to look at that stuff. We um, do. Yeah. Nafisa comes out on top and not most, if not all of the kind of like advanced stats and you know, your win shares, offensive win shares, win shares for 40, that kind of thing. Yeah. And like wins above replacement. Kevin Pelton posted his uh, the other day, you know, and, and things like that. And it really has to do with her other contributions. I think the reason that she rates more highly on those advanced stat kind of numbers. And again, I want to be very clear. I don't think that's the sole arbiter of who should be rookie of the year but the reason she's coming out ahead on all those because she's sort of contributing you know in more ways basically is measured by that and her efficiency so you know one thing i was trying to look at was the in particular the usage uh versus efficiency trade-off i mean there's no question that Mm -hmm. when you're shooting uh or when you have the usage rate that Arike has that you're going to be less efficient. She's, I think, got the second highest usage in the league right now, or at least last time I checked. Presumably that's gone up, actually, uh, after tonight. Yeah. And so she, um, you know, but she's kind of averaging, you know, basically around a point per scoring attempt, whereas, you know, which I think she uses about 30% roughly of her team's possessions when she's on the floor. Nafisa is averaging like one point. I think it's one eight. I should probably look that up. Sorry about that. But, um, you know, her usage rate is, I think, below 20%, which is sort of less than, you know, one 
fifth of uh, the offense when she's on the floor. And you would, if everyone shot equally, then you're, you know, took the same amount of shots, you'd be at 20%. So she's, you know, being selective. Um, a lot of that has to do with the environment she's playing in, in Minnesota, which I think is really what a lot of this boils down to, but she's being very efficient. And so you can definitely kind of look and do like a simple progression to see, you know, if you translated her 18% usage up to Enrique's 29%, you know, how much would her efficiency drop? And I do think it still comes out in Nafisa's favor. But to me, I, I really, you know, it's really interesting. I think that you could definitely argue, and I think we actually talked about this on an earlier podcast, that it just reaffirms for me that her, you know, each of them, I think, probably are better in their situation than if you flip them, right? I think mm-hmm. you could maybe make an argument that Nafisa, maybe we, if we really unleash her, she could do more. But like, I question whether i think we were talking about this on slack or i posted something on slack earlier like it's interesting to think about what what would Enrique do if she was like on the mystics like would her efficiency if she's taking much fewer shots and being relied on far less than she is on the wings would she be able to be as efficient efficient as nafisa is uh, a little bit of a tongue twister there <laughs> um and, and i gotta say i'm not to be honest i'm not sure it doesn't strike me as part of her game and similarly, right, what would the wings look like? Would they have, you know, even as many wins as they do if they had drafted Defisa instead of Arike? I think you can reasonably um, argue that maybe not, that they're both kind of very well suited for right. where they are. And so to me, you know, it really boils down to a style point. So I have some more thoughts, but I'll, I'll pause there and see what you think. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with kind of everything you said. I think one of the big things for me is like, if Arike had been playing like she's been playing since the All-Star break all season long, I think, yeah, honestly, it's probably no question that she'd be the favorite to win. The yeah, I do think everybody, year. sorry, agree. Everyone, I think, pretty much agrees that of late she's playing better. Yeah. I don't think there's any question on that. I mean, maybe Minnesota would still make the argument, but I think yeah. most of the world is in. The, it's, it's really, has it been long enough to your point? Yeah, agreed. Exactly. It's like, but it is the whole season and it hasn't been long enough. And then I guess if we're going on that argument, then maybe Tierra McCowan is really your rookie of the year if you're just looking at most recent history because she, as of late, has been absolutely insane for the fever. And I was actually looking at the wind shares today, and she's like been stacking up wind shares like crazy. Like before she was leading, I think the rookies in wind shares per 40, but as of the last few games, I think she's now second overall in rookies for total wind shares, despite like having. I think like she's played like 700 minutes to Arike's like 950. Um, so that's kind of crazy that she's got. Yeah, that's it. interesting. Yeah, John um, brought that up. Uh, well, I listened to it, I guess. I think it was today. Um, his podcast yesterday with Lauren Cox, which I would highly recommend everybody uh, listen to. It's a really interesting podcast, both about Lauren and then John shares some of his thoughts, which I really enjoyed because usually uh, he's uh, sort of the straight man kind of <laughs> doing the interviewing, asking the questions. I enjoyed hearing him uh offer his opinion although ultimately i did chuckle because his opinion is really we should split it because it's so close so <laughs> he, he didn't end up actually picking anyone for his opinion so um i teased him about that earlier today but um and now of course i've lost my train of thought oh but no he thought that what might happen which i was surprised to hear is that Arike might end up ranking third on some people's ballots. And so he thought that when the voting happens, wasn't so much his opinion, but like when the voting happens, that that would really hurt her if Tierra steals some second place votes and would kind of guarantee that Nafisa would win the award. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that because 
I guess it is a possibility that Tierra starts to take some of those like second place votes. Um, but I still think that like her just like, I mean, she's been great for the Fever as of late. But I think her lack of minutes at the beginning of the season is just gonna hurt her chances of really being yeah. in a second place spot. I, I was surprised anyone. at that. I I haven't gotten a chance to connect with John on whether that's based on talking to some people that have come through Dallas or uh, something else. But um, I was a little bit surprised by that. I was also surprised he thought that like there was a 90% chance that again, Nafisa would actually win it. Um, he can, he would split it, but he thought, and, and of course the, you know, as Nate Silver would say, right. Just cause you have a 90% chance of winning. That doesn't mean you're, you know, that much better. You <laughs> could, everybody could have her 51, 49 and that would sort of add up. But um, that also surprised me. I think it's actually going to be quite close for the vote. Yeah, I was. Ex- I would say it's definitely closer than that. I feel like I don't know. At least from what I've seen on Twitter and talking to people, people are pretty undecided. So I think it really could go either way. I don't think it's really yeah, ninety percent fee as much as I wish it was. <laughs> and not only that, I mean, the other thing that's really interesting. Jen's going to be uh, writing up her ballot, uh, an article about why she chose her ballot, and she's been, you know, very clear that she wants to wait until after the games. So it's like counting um i think today uh you know they had tonight's game and then they have two more so there's basically including tonight's game like she still had one tenth of the season left right which is kind of <laughs> kind of wild and so like there's definitely still a case i actually think just kind of knowing human nature and recency bias i might actually think that you know regardless of what you or i would vote that she's just been so dominant of late that people are gonna you know maybe she really is the front runner right now yeah, I could definitely say that. I think especially when you're voting at the end of the season, like recency bias is definitely uh, something that's going to happen. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Either way, I think yeah. like they're both have had fantastic rookie seasons and you can't really argue that one's a bad choice for the award. Um, so No, I mean, I think good things are in store for both of them. Um, yeah, you know, a couple other things I was thinking about it. It reminded me of a conversation I had back when I used to work for the 76ers and, um, you know, our GM was saying that, you know, one thing he thought was, you know, I, and certainly I'm guilty of this as well. Right. And I've asked our team to be, you know, doing like rookie reports after like who's the leader and, you know, rookie of the year voting after four games. Right. Which is kind of ridiculous, mm-hmm. but there's the whole anchoring thing, right. Where it's like, oh, well, we all thought Nafisa and she clearly was playing better at the beginning of the season than Enrique. And so it can be sometimes people have a hard time moving off of those initial things. And so it's like really interesting to kind of go about it as like, I haven't thought about the rookie of the year at all. And I'm only going to think about it on, I guess, you know, Sunday night after all the games are over and that'll be the first time I dig in. So I'm not too anchored to, you know, some random point 17 games into the season. And so it is interesting to think about that and, you know, given everything uh, where, where it all plays out there. I think it's an interesting way to think about the problem. Agreed. And I think either way, whoever wins the rookie of the year, they're both probably unanimous first team, all rookie selections would have to imagine. Um, oh, yeah. I think there's no, I think the three of them in particular yeah, um, are. As well. You know, the other thing, though, that I think really is fascinating, right? It's, it's, I, because I, I haven't looked at the ballot for the exact language, but I think it's pretty ambiguous what rookie of the year really is. Um, you know, is it really meant to be like the most notable rookie, um, you know, or is it the, you know, the rookie that sort of, you know, essentially contributed the most wins, like perform the best, or is it in fact, you know, the rookie who we think is going to be the best going forward. Right. And I think that potentially some of those answers are different in this particular year. Yeah. I think 
to be honest, my answer to all three of those is, well, I don't know (laughs) who wins it still. I feel like it's still up in the air to all those questions, but yeah. Um, Well, you're in a visa gala, right? Okay. Well, yes, I am definitely rooting for a visa to win it, but I do think that, I don't know, I still think that there's a case for both of them and that it's up, I fully understand why it's up in the air for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, the thing that when I think about like who I would rather have going forward, this is a question I don't definitely don't know the answer. I want to think about this more. But, you know, essentially, it's kind of like, how good do you think either of them could be at their peak? Like, do you think either of them could be, you know, all WNBA first team in 2022 or something like that? Or do you think, you know, at best, you know, I think conceivably, we probably both think they could make at least a third team, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion on uh, Gumball right now, but I feel like Nafisa definitely could be a f- at some point a first team on WNBA selection. I was just looking at some numbers earlier, and she's like fifth in win shares in the entire league right now. And then there's two games left, so she's going to be right up there when the season finishes, which is kind of insane for a rookie. Um, I don't know. I think, and it's just her first year. And she's playing a position that she didn't play in college, which Agumbawali is as well. So to make that transition that effectively in the first year, I don't know. I think the ceiling's pretty high. Yeah, well, that's fair. It's interesting. Um, uh, I do think she's like per- at some level perennially, perennially, uh, excuse me, uh, underrated, right? I think yes. a little bit <laughs> overshadowed last year by uh, Katie Lou, right? And yeah. so. Um. Yeah. No. I, I definitely like think incredibly highly of her. So, but yeah, I don't know. And so, but I do think like if you basically thought that neither of them could be the number one player on a championship team, the way like Elena Deladon is, then that sort of might tip you towards preferring Nafisa in the future. Um. Just because like you think that she potentially could fit in perhaps better as sort of the second best player, you know, on a team like this year's mystics, you know, know, projecting of course. Um, Whereas, you know, how efficient can Rike get, but again, right. You know, what's going to happen next year, you know, will she be able to go back to a little more shooting guard and uh, you know, or will she just be able to, you know, work on her shot uh, and, you know, finish even better and uh you know hit more efficiently from three obviously she's been shooting like i think over 40 percent uh for um deep for um at least the last month or so so you know i mean if she's doing that next year all season like that's going to be something else agreed definitely yeah the other interesting question i think it's which i don't know the answer to but i'd be interested to hear uh what our listeners think is sort of where in particular rike ranks among point guards this year uh, you know, obviously she's not the number one point guard in the league, um, but, you know, is she the fifth best point guard in the league? Is she the eighth best point guard in the league? Like where, you know, do people think she really falls out? Do you have a, a not clear that you have an opinion on that, though? Yeah, I don't know that I have an opinion on that right now. I would have to, like, think about it. I do think it's an interesting question, too, when you look at some of, like, the point guard injuries this year. Like, you've got, like, two birds out. I'm blanking on who else, but there's definitely some, like, names that would definitely normally be on the top of that list that are not in the play this year. Um which is interesting to see what it'll be like next year. But yeah, I don't have a strong opinion on where she would rank right now in that list. Yeah, I will say, though, I do think it's a really good sign how she's improved. I always tend to like that. But it is a small sample size, so don't want to overreact. Yeah. On that same kind of rookie conversation, I feel like the other interesting thing with the rookies is you've got the first-team all-rookies selections that are coming as well. 
I don't know. I think every like we said, Nafisa Collier and Rinka Gabali are unanimous selections to that. Probably Tierra McCowan as well. I would guess that most people have Jackie Young on that ballot too. But I feel like the big question on that one is who's that fifth name on that first team all rookie? I don't know if you have a any thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm not even really sure. I'd have to kind of think through that, right? Kaylee didn't play a ton, uh, right? Because she was injured right. for a while. Right. Yeah. Um, Asia Durr, uh, you know, making Gustafson obviously mm-hmm. hasn't played enough. Um, yeah, no, I don't really, like, there's no one, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing someone obvious and people are presumably yelling at their, uh, <laughs> you know, radio you know, car car stereos or, or headsets or whatever but um yeah i don't know like who do you think i don't know i think that if asia Durr hadn't gotten hurt it would have been asia Durr. i think she started off real strong but then missed a bunch of games um for me i don't know i think there's a couple options one of them is uh, I don't know, kennedy burke for the fever which is kind of crazy mm. that you know we're saying two fever um rookies but She's been really strong for them. I think the last couple of games she's actually started for them. Um, doesn't have a lot of minutes, but like outside of those four, like the minutes kind of drop off pretty quickly. So I don't really know that there's like a you know fifth roommate or fifth rookie that's played enough minutes to make that uh, really an item to be looking at anymore. Um, another one that sticks out to me is Sophie Cunningham, who is kind of I would say the unexpected star of the rookies on the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, I don't think that anyone mm-hmm. would have picked her as like of all the rookies that they drafted to be the number one rookie on that team for the year, but um, she's been pretty phenomenal for them as well. I think that would be my shortlist is probably the two of them. Um, Talani Brown has also been pretty good for the Sparks, but hasn't seen much time. Um, yeah, she's had some moments. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but I think for me it would have to be um, either Burke or Cunningham. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely fair. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the media votes on that, given Cunningham and some of the <laughs> what some of the stuff that's been going on uh, this season, and whether she suffers any backlash from that or not. I mean, I enjoy sort of her feistiness. Yeah, but, um, agreed. It'll be interesting, but yeah, no, I mean, clearly there's a sort of a little bit of a tearing in terms of. Uh, the rookies mm-hmm, definitely so that's all we have got to talk about for the rookie for the year race so far but um another thing we wanted to touch on today was the mystics and just their like sheer dominance so far kind of this season um i think they're gonna obviously already secured that number one seed elena deldon i think we don't really need to discuss mvp we know who the mvp is um so kind of interested on your take going into the finals do you think, you know, the Mystics, are are they the clear favorite? Is there someone else that could contend with them? Kind of what are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, I think it's an interesting question just because, you know, they're really, what, one game up in the last column on the Sun, right? <laughs> so, you know, by their record, they don't look like uh, a dominant team. But then Kevin Pelton wrote that really great article, um, I guess, I think it was last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, um, sort of highlighting kind of the number that I care about as well, which is that they've been very dominant in terms of margin 
of uh, victory, right? I think their net rating, so the number of points they're winning per 100 possessions is like 15, if I remember correctly, from your power rankings article yep. today. And, uh, you know, Connecticut and I think the Aces maybe are around four. So that's sort of, uh, you know, really otherworldly in terms of separation. And so it's really interesting that contrast between record and uh, um, kind of net rating there or margin of victory. So I was looking at it. Uh, so when Kevin wrote his article, I think the Mystics were, uh, you know, basically 50 50 to win uh, the championship. And I checked uh, just before we came on. I think now they're like 55, 58% odds according to Vegas. Uh, sorry, it goes 50 50 according to Vegas when Kevin wrote it. And so, yeah, that just strikes me as incredibly high like i definitely believe in them it's pretty amazing um i forget the tolliver play the last game that they had i think it's sort of amazing they're playing so well without tolliver yeah, i'm not too. sure if she played i'm checking right now great so yeah <laughs> I, I can fill the time <laughs> so um but yeah the other thing which kevin really highlighted is that while they have uh, eight mm -hmm. losses right they only have four really where um elena played uh, significantly so that basically you know projects out to like a 29 win team um, as opposed to the record they're going to end up with so when you think of them as a 29 win team i think that you know versus maybe the mm -hmm. sun will be a, a 24 or 25 i guess um you know it's uh you know then maybe it seems like they have good odds but i still think you know as we saw in the past i mean health definitely is an issue i think healthy you know no problem they're you know really amazing got great depth i know we looked at it uh, earlier in the season, you were talking about wind shares. Maybe I can pull this up really quick while I'm talking. But in terms of sort of wind shares per 40, yeah, they look like they have, um, I guess, uh, you know, mm -hmm. you know, an unbelievable number of players in the top 10 to 15. Um, you know, besides Elena uh, Zeladon, you know, Misa yes, so. is, um, and that is how you say her name, right? Yes, yes, I was going to Yeah, so they're basically number one and two in terms of win shares per minute uh, in the league, which is pretty wild. And, um, you know, Tiana Hawkins is, uh, I guess, 34, five. And uh, Ariel Powers is, you know, around seven or eight. And Tolliver's like 10 or 11. So it really is incredible their depth. And that's why they're able to withstand some of these injuries so well. And, you know, their offense is, you know, again, off the charts. I think uh, Calvin posted for us today that I believe the percentage gap between their offense and the second uh, best offense in the league is the biggest it's been in the history of the WNBA, if I uh, read that correctly. Uh, so, you know, I definitely think they have a good shot, but I just still think in, a, you know, a playoff series uh, when there aren't that many games, anything could happen. So it does seem hard to say they have a better than 50% chance of winning the championship to me. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think one of the things that's still so interesting about them to me is like, yes, their offense is incredible. It's, I forget what percentage you just said, but it's miles ahead of everyone else in the league, which is contributing to what why that net rate rating is so high. But their defense just has not been great all year round, which I don't know. I subscribe and people, to that like defense wins championships mindset a lot of times like in playoff type scenarios that plays a big role um which is the one thing that makes me a little bit nervous about them going into the playoffs like i just don't know how their like defense is going to in fact if they have a bad shooting night when you only have like a you know five game series like there's not a lot of room for error so uh, and it'll be interesting to see 
how yeah. that plays out. The other thing that's fascinating, right, is it looks like they played, I think, their last game against the Sun this season was June 29th, right? So, right. Uh, like, before yeah. July 4th. So, it's, you know, they lost twice in the first uh the Mystics lost twice to the Sun in the first six, their first six games, right? And then yeah. um, I, I do believe both of those are without yeah. Elena Jones on, so I don't count that for what it's worth. But. Exactly right. But even even if it wasn't, it was so long ago. And and mm-hmm. as uh, right, we've talked a lot about kind of taking a look. Uh, oh, I guess that's something we should talk about offline is how we're doing on that uh, article on uh, kind of looking at how well regular season series predicted playoff matchups but um you know it's, it's so it's so long <laughs> so uh, no problem no problem so it'll uh yeah it's just this is, i don't think it's incredibly predictive you know how they did early in the season you know when not everybody was healthy and now you know Tolliver's, you know even if she comes back uh, you know she's really gonna be 100 percent. hopefully by the time the finals roll around she'll, she'll have a shot but um so it just really seems there's too much variance i think in terms of you know someone twists an ankle or something like that and and as you said there's really you know not a lot of margin for error yeah exactly and i mean the same thing for connecticut too um i don't think they have any starters that were injured but they had quite a few players on the bench especially in their guard depth that were dealing with injuries so it'll be interesting to see how that plays off going into the playoffs too i think luckily for the mystics and for the sun with earning that double buy that gives them a little bit of time for rest before they have to, you know, they don't have to play again this week, but after the regular season ends, but it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. I was just looking at the, the Mystics box score from the Liberty game, and it already kind of looks like they were resting up some of their players. So they've got like four players that didn't play, so um, and limited minutes for some others. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, no, I mean that's it's going to be exciting. That's the great thing about sports, right? Is we're gonna play it out and see what really happens on the floor. Again, yeah, I think the number one thing is we just hope that uh, both teams are full strength, or you know, whoever is playing in particular in the finals. But really, throughout the playoffs, it's not determined by injury, but by um, just simply who's the best. Yes, definitely. Almost what Tina Turner would say. <laughs> So one other playoff-related topic, I think, that I wanted to ask you about is uh, a poll we ran while I was uh, out on vacation. That's a topic that I'm uh, pretty fired up about, and you know, based on the poll, I think we had uh, you know over 100 people in our very scientific, in air quotes, <laughs> uh, poll. Uh, you know, the vast majority, something like 87 percent, said that they wish that the WNBA would eliminate these uh, off nights where no one's playing. Right. Much better to have a night like tonight with one game than, you know, sort of the way teams, uh, you know, league is set up. You know, we're all used to not having games on Monday, and I think we can get comfortable with that. But, um, you know, I've always had this dream, and I haven't thought about how long the season would have to be, that they should really set it up to play two games a night, sort of in particular, like the way the playoffs really are scheduled, both WNBA and the NBA, sort of an East Coast game and a West Coast game, so that if you're watching on TV, if you're a fan anywhere in the country, especially not um, in a market that has a team currently, you know, there's the whole expansion topic, that it would be great just to know that every night you're going to have an East Coast game and a West Coast game that you could watch. So you could have, you know, basically two games a week, you know, one in a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday window, and one in a Friday, Saturday, Sunday window. And, you know, still try to do some day games on the weekends to get the young fans. But you wouldn't have the situation, which is why we ran the poll, where I think it was like the league was maybe off on a Saturday and then a Monday. So they played, I think everybody played Sunday. Everybody was off Monday. There were like 
I don't know how many games there were on Tuesday. And then there were like no games again on Wednesday. So it was like three out of five nights. There were no WNBA games. And you're seeing this again with the playoffs coming, which is why I bring it up where, um, as you said, I think there's going to be, you know, two games back to back, then no games uh, the next night. And then two games back to back as we're proceeding through the, um, you know, the early rounds of the playoffs. I was curious what your, you know, a, you know, do you, think it's a good idea to kind of have games stacked up and then off nights or do you prefer to have kind of a game going every night as well yeah so well selfishly i'm a big fan of the mondays off because it saves me trying to write power rankings when there's not like five games going on yeah no that is very good um so the mondays off are super helpful from that perspective which i guess having one off night a week is not what the problem we're discussing anyway um but for me, yeah, I don't love when there's like four games on in one night and then they all overlap and it's like you have to try to pick which game to watch or I try to watch all of them at once, but like you're still picking which one you're really focusing on. Um, I mean, there's a problem during college basketball season too, but in that world, there's just too many teams. So like that's always going to be a problem for college basketball where the WNBA isn't at a spot where it needs to be a problem. Like there's only 12 teams. It's definitely feasible to tried to not have tons of days where you've got four games stacked on top of each other um so yeah i think that it would be better to have more like you know a two like double header east coast west coast type scenario or just one game or and then maybe on the weekend you've got a little bit more because you can space them out timing wise with day games but agreed that the like four games at once and then two off nights and then all the switching around is not in my opinion, the best way to do it as a fan. Yeah. And like in the playoffs, right, I think we're going to kind of lose momentum, right? I definitely have had the feeling and I've talked to some other folks uh, on WNBA Twitter privately, right, that you sort of, you know, when it's an off night, there's just not a ton of activity. I don't think maybe it was just me, but, you know, in the summer as well kind of contributes. And so, you know, I think we're going to have two great games that are single elimination. And then like, I just don't think there's going to be a lot of buzz the next night. Uh, about the WNBA and then you know the night after that I think there's two more uh, if I'm remembering the schedule correctly and so like it just seems like it'd be kind of uh, helpful to kind of keep the WNBA in the consciousness continuously by playing you know instead of playing those single elimination games back to back kind of one each night yeah I definitely agree with all that if you have it every night it's this constant mo- uh, momentum and everyone's always talking about it and that's definitely a good way to be promoting what's going on yeah, and it also helps people, I think, because there was some conversation about, um, and I, I don't quite know what the right way to phrase it, but like it really helps if, like, you know, you're a parent, like I am, and it's back to school night, and it happens to be on one of the nights that has, uh, you know, maybe it's on the Tuesday that there's back to backs. And so suddenly, if you can't really watch the games, like you've watched games on Sunday, you got to wait till Thursday before you're able to watch again. So it kind of lets you be a little more robust, I guess, to your schedule. And, you know, if you're playing as, you know, a soccer league, right. As you do, uh, or something you can kind of miss one night and not feel like, Oh my gosh, if I, you know, don't get home and watch uh, the WNBA, like I'm going to be missing out on it for basically, you know, an entire week or something. So I think that helps as well. Agreed. I had that experience a little bit last Tuesday. I think I was on Amtrak on Tuesday on the day that there was like three or four games and I didn't have enough service on Amtrak as you never do to like stream them. Um, so it was frustrating, definitely. Right. And I, I think, again, that, I think that might have been one of the, then like the Wednesday, I think there were no games. Right? Yeah, so, exactly. Um, right. So, you know, if you just randomly happen to be on Amtrak, then, mm-hmm. you know, you're in trouble. So that's why I think about that. But yeah, you know, I, um, like I said, I, um, 
I think I put that poll out because I was struck by it while I was down on vacation uh, in Disney, as we talked about. So I thought uh, maybe before we wrap it up, I was curious, have you ever been to Disney World, Disneyland? Did you go in your youth? You travel a lot. You go, you know, bi-weekly. How often do you go to Disney? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I've been to Disney World and I've also been to Disneyland once as well. Um, I went a couple times as a kid and then actually went recently this past like december with some friends um oh. like a few day trip down so to disney fun. world or to disneyland to disney world uh, i've been to disneyland once because i was in la so it was like a thing to do that the disney world and disneyland it's just like it's not even comparable in my opinion like disney world is the way to go if you're gonna do disney um, i do think that's true i mean i think there's a lot of east coast bias in the world uh, <laughs> i was talking to uh, a few folks about that even in terms of WNBA uh coverage i think you know it's interesting to think about how that impacts the aces and the sparks but um i do think empirically um, although they got Star Wars earlier in uh la but um you know my, my understanding is that the magic kingdom in california fits in like the parking lot of the magic kingdom in uh orlando which is crazy and then you know of course and then there's three other parks so yeah yeah, i mean we could do a whole podcast on disney world the culture of disney world um how you meet uh people and suddenly befriend them from standing in line in the heat uh for for like an hour waiting for uh i don't know tower of terror uh and it was really funny you meet a lot of uh uh, random folks like we were in line behind this couple actually they went to Baylor uh, I think they were in their early 30s so they said they definitely went and watched both uh, men's and women's basketball games when they were uh, in school undergrad uh, I forget that I didn't catch their last names but very very nice couple and uh, you know she's like yeah she's like oh I haven't been to Disney World since I was about 10 or something so it's her <laughs> first time uh, in a while but yeah no Disney World was a ton of fun uh, it is fascinating I was you know they give you all these like you know part of the culture they give you all these buttons so in my kind of her hoop stats uh, model among them you know some of the buttons are for like celebrating you know anniversaries so it's like I'm celebrating 10 years right instead of years mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of cheesy there's uh, <laughs> the, the, the culture of where did you wear matching shirts with your friends or when you went down there you said so you were with your friends, right? We did, yeah, we did not. Um, I noticed, like, I don't remember noticing that as a kid. Like, I think it's way more of a thing now than it was 10 years ago. Because as a kid, I don't remember seeing, like, everyone in matching shirts. And I feel like every family was <laughs> identical shirts, which is funny to me. Because Disney is, like, such an expensive vacation. I'm like, all right, now you spent a couple hundred dollars more on matching shirts. But all right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I was also struck by, like, you know, do they get shirts for each day? Or, you know, you don't ever see someone with, like... I'm wearing my 2019 family reunion shirt today, but tomorrow I'm going to wear the one from when we were here in 2017, right? You never yeah, see like, yeah. you know, Smith family vacation 2017 <laughs> in 2019. So, um, yeah, no, we're deaf, but the, some of the, some of the shirts they sell at Disney are very funny. I, I would compliment on that, but I, you know, they also give you a button, which I'm going to say, um, uh, like it's my first visit. So I was trying to, I, I would love to look up the stat. I haven't had a chance to do that, um, on like what percentage of people have been to Disney world or Disneyland in the United States. I wonder. Yeah, it, I would definitely be curious. I feel like it's, I don't know, probably higher than I would expect. <laughs> I feel like, it seems like it's probably a really high number. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially if you count, like, someone who goes for the first time, you know, in their 30s or 40s, even <laughs> if they didn't go as a kid. Right. So um, so that was kind of interesting. But, yeah, no, so we had a lot of fun. We did all the uh, parks. So I was curious, like, did you have a favorite kind of ride or attraction that you would recommend to folks? Yeah, my favorite ride has always been Test Track and Epcot. 
um, which I think I appreciate as a park and as a whole much more as an adult than I did as a kid, but um, that's always been my favorite. I'm not like a big ride person though. I should caveat with that. So like Tower of Terror is like my worst nightmare. I hate that thing. Um, (laughs) You know, my, we went, my son was like, not sure he wanted to go. He did it last year and he did not like it. And so uh, this was like the one ride where he got on. He basically sort of got up the courage to do it, but it was like the one ride where we sat down and he like, grip like white knuckled the uh <laughs> the handles or whatever and i'd never really done it so i didn't quite know what to expect because i knew they had this experience the previous year so i mean it definitely was a little scary um yeah our favorite um ride by far is definitely uh, expedition everest i think okay. that's definitely the best roller coaster in disney um so i definitely definitely enjoy that one thing though that i think uh, that i love uh, that is, is a little bit underappreciated it's not a ride but did you get a chance to do the uh, monsters university laugh floor i don't think we did when we were there i don't think that happened um that is definitely my off the beaten path okay. <laughs> uh kind of recommendation under the radar you never go to space mountain and, and all those yeah. things but um it's unbelievable basically the concept of it is and if you remember monster you know we'll do a disney plug here working on getting them as a uh, sponsor i don't know what it'll take how many how many uh, subscribers we'll need to get to that point but uh um the basic concept of the movie right is they um, you know, first they were screaming to, uh, you know, they got to kick, get the kids to scream and that powers their monster city or whatever. And I haven't actually watched the movie in a while. And then they flipped it over to, um, they figured out the like the power of laughter. It's like way more powerful than the power of screaming. Right. Very meaningful message. And so, you know, now they've turned into comedians. And so the whole show, it's like basically stand up comedy and, um, it's cool technology from a technology standpoint because basically they've they've got must have some like you know really good stand-up uh comedian sort of off to the side and it's doing like the sort of almost like the deep fake uh kind of technology and so like as they're talking like mike wazowski's move uh mouth moves perfectly when mm-hmm. he's telling the jokes even though it's all kind of uh improv live and uh, you know it's just really funny and they're, they're making fun of the people i will say I'll, I'll tell you one joke that uh we've definitely been enjoying well uh, this was actually i think texted in from the audience <laughs> what does uh darth vader eat when he goes out for italian i don't know i'm sure only is. one cannoli <laughs> <laughs> So anyhow, I mean, they're not really dad jokes, but they are, uh, I think, hilarious. So (laughs) it's definitely, you know, people like, you know, people don't go. I would highly, highly recommend it. Plus, when you're there in the summer, it's air conditioned. That's a bonus as well. (laughs) Um, So yeah, no, so we had had a great time. Did a lot of of different things. We went to all the parks, you know, basically managed to ride all the rides, including uh, that cool Pandora, um, what was it called? Flight of Passage or something, which you really feel like you're you're doing that's pretty incredible as well and we had the bonus we were there we left on i want to say it must have been like august 28th mm-hmm. and the new star wars thing opened up on the 29th oh, nice. so we we're walking around magic kingdom like where is everybody And because <laughs> i guess they all had managed to go to like a preview for it uh <laughs> at the hollywood studios so we felt like we had magic kingdom was like empty so oh, that's, that's also my advice is like wait until they <laughs> open a new attraction and go to the other parks yeah uh when, when the big new attraction comes yeah, so, we skipped uh, the um, Pandora thing when I was there. It was like a two-hour wait. There's only so many yeah, yeah, two-hour waits you can do. Also, something I so when I was a kid, you got fast passes. Like my mother, we were at the park when they opened. Like, and you ran to get your fast passes. Like, you had to go to the little kiosk. Oh, in person? Yeah. Like now, well, I knew that there was like an app. I knew that was a thing, but I assumed it yeah. was like still. You had to be like you know in the park 
and then can pick them. Apparently, you can do them like months in advance. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we had a problem where like uh, you know I tend to, but like my wife would like start planning our vacation to Disney next year around now. She likes to plan things. I tend to be like, oh, let's wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I believe they open it up. It's either sixty or one hundred eighty days, and so like we couldn't get a fast pass for the Pandora ride because everybody else is like camping out and uh, basically knows to do it that early. Yeah, that yeah. Didn't there's all. Didn't work well for me and my friends who were like, "Oh, there's a $150 round trip flight to Orlando. Let's go to Disney in two weeks." Yeah, yeah, exactly. The other fun thing I did is there's this app. Normally, I never, I rarely, which I guess I shouldn't say because we'd like people to subscribe to our website, (laughs) but I rarely, uh, you know, buy apps on my phone. And so there's this like $15 app, which you know seems crazy, um, but it's basically like Waze for Disney World. So like you can kind (laughs) of like as you walk up, it'll you know you can enter in the posted time and the standby time. You can time yourself so it can say like, oh, they're telling you it's a 50 minute wait, but really it's only 30 minutes. And so then you can be, I can't decide about how well I think it works, but it definitely, at least as the placebo effect is worth it. It's kind of fun to track it. And, uh, you know, it does, it does work out sometimes. So, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, it was, we had a great time, you know, wonder, you know, it's just fascinating. Um, the whole place the whole dynamics of it i think when my kids get older we want to take one of those like real backstage tours and see how they really go about and do it all (laughs) the other thing i was speculating is like what would be a fun job to have if you worked at disney world like some of the jobs seem like they'd be really good and some of the jobs seem like they'd be incredibly painful yeah i'd have to imagine anything that involves wearing a like full costume and (laughs) in the summer sounds incredibly painful to me Yeah, I will say, like, I don't think this is too uh, uh, un-PC. Like, it was unbelievable, you know, the unbelievable, the women of, you know, certain faiths that are wearing, you you know, many layers of clothing. Like, I just could not do that. We saw some nuns, you know, some people in a job. Uh, It was just, like, it was, like, incredibly hot. It was just amazing that people are capable of doing that. Yeah, agreed. It's incredible. Yeah, Yeah. I decided, you know, we thought that maybe... uh, being a photographer, it seems like it'd kind of be a fun job, but I think you'd get a lot of people melting down. I, I think it could be fun to be the person that collects like all the 3D glasses and stuff and get <laughs> off the ride because I think every just about everybody's happy uh, when you get off the ride. Although I will say, maybe we shouldn't close with this, but um, one thing that was fascinating, and this actually would be, it's like a sort of semi-interesting job from like a clinical sense. There's like the people that like clean up when people are getting sick. Oof. The technology of how they do that is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got this like amazing orange powder and it just all, you know, they can clean things up. <laughs> but we were in line on the mission space thing, which is kind of like a, the, 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 what do they call it? The extreme version where you're in a, um, like a centrifuge basically. So you're spinning and it feels like you're flying. It's, you know, it's pretty realistic. Yeah. And, uh, so we're all like lined up watching the cheesy videos and stuff uh, for safety. And then they're like, oh, we're having a little problem. We're going to have you go ride on this uh, other ride. And apparently, I guess the people in the ride before us, like someone threw up <laughs> in the middle of the thing. And so we were just like trying to imagine what it would be like, especially if it wasn't like your family. Like it'd be one thing if it was like me and my wife and my kids and we were just the four people in the room. But that just seemed incredibly disgusting. Yeah. Not <laughs> think about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, you know, if you were like a single rider or whatever. Yeah, or which I, I like, you know, going as a 24 year old, like, if there's a single rider line and you can wait five minutes instead of, you know, an hour, like, I, I love my friends, but I am capable of riding around by myself. <laughs> like, we did a lot of those. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I would, I would definitely strongly recommend that. Yeah. And I was also jealous because the, 
food and wine festival uh hadn't quite started that looked really good unfortunately yeah. my kids are not adventurous eaters so <laughs> i don't quite know how we're gonna pull that off but that's when you should go with your friends yeah i know i would always love to do that i'm sure it's incredibly pricey but i did yeah. enjoy like going this time as an adult like just going to all the different uh, like countries or whatever you want to call them and yeah. epcot and like doing the different like drinks and i will foods I will say that they said that the kids handle, uh, tying back to my other story there, the kids handle the Mission Space ride much better than the adults, apparently. <laughs> the adults are the ones that tend to get sick. And they said especially during the Food and Wine Festival. Well, I can imagine something about, like, you know, multiple glasses of wine and getting on a spinning thing. Probably not the best idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so we had a good time. I appreciate everybody listening to us rambling about it. If you have other questions you want to hear about, Disney recommendations, happy to give it to you. I will say we did not make it over to the NBA uh, experience, but, uh, you know, it did seem really intriguing. I actually will be interested to see what the WNBA does as far as, you know, say the Olympic team. Like, it seems like they could hang out there uh, quite a bit. You know, if Elena Deldon just, like, moved to Orlando and trained <laughs> there, and, you know, I mean, because how many people are flowing through Disney, um, it would be... Uh, you know, good promotion for the game. I mean, obviously you have to do it in a more practical way, but I wonder if there are opportunity, you know, smart opportunities around that when in the WNBA off season, when tons of people are going to be coming through Disney. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. That wasn't open when I was down there, but it looked like it was going to be a pretty cool um, thing. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. What they do with and that. there was no question that they were featuring the WNBA, even though it's called the NBA mm -hmm. experience that they're featuring the WNBA as well. So, so yeah, so yeah, so it's a good time. Uh, like I said, I am glad to be back. And we were joking, I think, before we started, it definitely felt like, you know, once I came back from vacation, I needed to recover from that with the vacation. <laughs> yes. So uh, I think I'm basically uh, back in shape. And like I said, my kids are going back to school. So it just feels like real life is uh, starting again uh, tonight slash tomorrow. <laughs> definitely. Well, it's getting pretty late. So I think that's it for tonight. Um, as always, we hope that you enjoyed what you heard. And if you did, please go to wherever you're listening to your podcast, rate us, review us. Um, it helps us get more listeners and have more people find us. Um, we also always welcome your feedback. So you can reach us at podcast at herhoopstats.com or on Twitter at herhoopstats. Um, any suggestions you have, things you want to hear us talk about. If there's something you want to hear us chat about, we'll definitely bring it up on the show. So please feel free to reach out. And lastly, as always, um, we hope that if you enjoy the work we're doing here on the podcast, um, our stories or any other things you're, you're looking at from us, that you check out the website at herhoopstats.com. It's just $20 a year to subscribe and support the work that we're doing. Thank you, Aaron, for joining me again. Welcome back from your my, vacation again. Thank you. My pleasure for uh, listening to me ramble. It's always exciting to uh, be able to talk this much. Definitely. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Oh.